Part 3. Doubts and Fears How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. John 10.24 Chapter 9 Found another one! Buddy stood in the middle of the stream where it flowed into the pond of Willow Valley. He wore tall rubber boots with his pant legs tucked into the tops of them. In his hands, dripping with mud, he felt a large flat stone. Bring it over here so we can split it open! Terence instructed from dry ground near the willow trees. Michael stood next to him holding a chisel and a sledgehammer. Bobo ran back and forth excitedly along the edge of the stream, his tongue hanging out of his mouth. It was the end of an intense week of research and writing. Instead of filling water pitchers at Ridgecrest General, the children had spent every afternoon and evening either at the library or at home, rustling their outline points into full paragraphs of information. Finally, with great relief, they turned in their final reports on time. To celebrate, the boys decided to spend the unusually warm afternoon fishing in the pond of Willow Valley. The sun shone warmly on the boys' shoulders, but the breeze carried the sharp edge of winter, making them glad for their jackets. Smoke from burning leaf piles hung in the air, and the autumn stillness seemed to amplify the gurgling melody of the ice-cold water over the stones in the stream bed. The fish were not biting, so after a while the boys decided to see if they could find any fossils in the rocks of the stream, and so the search began. Buddy sloshed through the water and mud and handed the jagged piece of shale to Michael. Michael wedged the end of it into the ground and pressed the blade of the chisel into a crevice on the opposite side. With one great blow of the sledgehammer against the chisel, the rock split in two, falling away to the ground at the boys' feet. The boys crouched around it. Look at that, breathed Terence. It's a perfect pelsiopod. Pelly what? asked Bud. Pelsiopod, Terence said again, otherwise known as Chesapectin jeffersonius. It's in my fossil book at home. Terence never forgot anything he read. Often this was a great help to his friends, though sometimes it could be annoying. I don't see anything, declared Michael, pushing Bobo's nose out of the way. Here, pointed Terence, see those ridges that sort of look like a fan? The boys were so engrossed in what they were doing, they did not notice Emily and Heidi coming along the trail to the pond. What are you doing? Emily wanted to know. Digging for lost treasure? Fossils, Buddy told her. We found one. Come look. How can you stand thinking about fossils when we just turned in our papers? Heidi exclaimed. I don't even want to think about dinosaurs for the rest of my life. We still have to do our project display for the science fair, remember? Said Terence. Emily groaned and made a face. Ugh, your project will be so great that you'll make everyone else's look terrible, including ours. Dylan Kodiak already has that covered, said Buddy. Did you hear what he's doing for his project? What? asked Heidi. He's trying to prove that dinosaurs are related to modern-day birds and reptiles, Michael told her, and he's going to have a real live bearded dragon lizard and a chicken in his display. At least that's what he's telling everyone at school today. <coughs> Emily glanced at Terence. That makes fossils look sort of boring, doesn't it? She asked. 
Terrence shrugged and brushed dirt off his pants. It doesn't matter, he said, but they all knew that to Terrence it mattered very much. Well, I'm just glad our paper is finished and turned in, Heidi said. We worked hard on it, and I'm proud of how it turned out, whether Miss Larkin likes it or not. It'll be fine, don't worry, said Michael. You and Emily get good grades on everything you write. Emily twisted her thick braid around her finger and grinned, pleased that Michael had actually admitted she was a good writer. Let's see if we can find some more fossils for your display, said Heidi suddenly, and maybe you guys can come up with a good idea for ours. Life continued happily along until Monday afternoon when Miss Larkin returned the graded research papers to her students. Emily eagerly reached for her paper, and Heidi leaned over her shoulder to see what Miss Larkin had written at the top. A pink note was attached to it with a paper clip. Please see me after class, the note said. Emily looked at Heidi in alarm, feeling her stomach shrink with fear. The rest of the time, class time crept by. It was difficult to pay attention to the lesson with the pink note sitting on Emily's desk for all to see. The bell finally rang. As the students gathered their books and left the room, Emily and Heidi nervously approached Miss Larkin's desk. To their surprise, Terrence, Michael, and Buddy stayed as well. We got a pink note too, Michael whispered, holding up their paper. Miss Larkin had left the classroom for a moment when the bell rang, but now she returned and stood in front of her desk. Have a seat, she told the children. Quickly, they slipped they slid into the seats at the front row of student desks. Miss Larkin reached for Emily's paper. Miss Johnson and Miss Bellows, she said, I assigned you the topic of how and when dinosaurs became extinct. Using the model of scientific method, you were to gather facts through research and come up with a theory in answer to that question. Emily gulped and nodded. Yes, ma'am, she said softly. Miss Larkin pointed to the paper. Will you please point out to me where you've referenced facts in this report? She said, and what about research? Did you actually conduct any research before writing this? Em Heidi ducked her head and Emily felt her cheeks flame red. We, we did do research, she said. We read books and we thought about it a lot. What you did interrupted Miss Larkin, was very creative and entertaining to read. However, it does not include facts or true research. <coughs> Where were dinosaur bones discovered? How old are they? How did the dinosaurs die? When did they die? Why are there no dinosaurs to be found today? These are the questions I expect you to answer. What you gave me was a lovely story about why you think the dinosaurs died after Noah's flood. Miss Larkin handed the paper back to Emily. Miss Johnson, I understand you are raised to believe in Bible stories, and that is perfectly fine. But the true scientist must leave those childish stories behind in order to deal with the facts of the natural world. Emily gripped her paper tightly. Now her face was drained of all color. Every word Miss Larkin spoke seemed to hit her like a stone. Miss Larkin paused for a moment and then turned to the boys. Gentlemen, your, your topic was very well researched and I commend you for your efforts, but you completely disregarded the intent of the research. You were to show by your study how the fossil record demonstrates the evolution of plants and animals. It seems that you 
determined to do the opposite. You attempted to use the fossil record to prove that a worldwide flood, as in Noah's flood, occurred only 6,000 years ago. Miss Larkin stopped and shook her head slightly. Boys, she said firmly, this is science class, not Sunday school. You cannot disregard the scientific work of hundreds of brilliant minds over the last hundred years, simply because it does not match the stories you have been told as a child. She took a deep breath and let it out slowly. Now, here is what I will do, she told them. I'm going to give you until Friday to revise your papers. Please use your textbook to give you guidance as to the direction I expect you to take with your research. And in case you haven't noticed, there are no Bible stories in our textbook. Do you understand? The five children nodded, looking at the floor. Miss Larkin crossed her arms. The upcoming science fair is district-wide and will be judged by a panel of high school and college science professors, she told them. Surely you want your projects to be taken seriously, don't you? Yes, ma'am, the children murmured. All right, then, Miss Larkin said briskly. I'm sure your papers will be at the top of the class once you've corrected your errors. And if you get stuck, perhaps you should talk to Dylan Kodiak. He has done a brilliant job on his topic, and I'm sure he would be happy to give you some suggestions. With that, the interview was over, and the children were free to leave. When they were safely outside, Emily stuffed the paper into her book bag. It's not fair! She burst out. Our paper is scientific and we did put facts into it but she made it sound so so silly and stupid tears stood out in her eyes she just doesn't understand our point of view said Heidi we really can't expect her to I guess added Michael but she shouldn't just throw out all our hard work like that insisted Emily. There should be space in school for people to have other beliefs besides evolution. So what are we going to do? asked Buddy. For a moment, no one spoke as each of them tried to think of a solution. Then Michael straightened his shoulders. Let's all go back and look over our papers again. We can talk to our parents tonight and see if they have any ideas about what we should do. And so... They left for home, each burdened down with the weight of a problem that felt too heavy to carry.